Welcome to the Rogue Tailboard Podcast, where firemen are fired up and minimal is unacceptable. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mr. You can hear me good, right? I can. You actually sound very clear. I got my uh, special headphones on because I'm a special needs person. <laughs> <laughs> so what's so special about those headphones? They're not. They're just my noise-canceling ones because the first podcast that I did, I had an echo and it was terrible. And I got about 15 different text messages about, hey, get yourself some like professional headphones. I said, I've never done these podcasts before. I said, so you learn. Live and learn. Right? <laughs> well, if they're noise-canceling, we might not be able to hear anything Kevin says. That's okay. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. What's up, guys? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, brother. Having a blessed day so far. Really, really, really looking forward to kicking this thing off. Yeah, that's what yep. I'm talking about. Gage, your three dudes talking life. Um, really sorry that you guys weren't able to get in on that first one. I dropped the ball on that. I didn't do my homework. I didn't know that we were only limited to four people on the, uh, the Spotify Anchor app platform. So well, it's, right. it, it's hard. It's hard to knock it, man. That that podcast that was put together, I I wouldn't have it any differently amongst those guys, man. That's that's something special to listen to. I don't go back and listen to a lot of different podcasts multiple times, but that one for sure was well worth it. So I think it was meant to be, and this one's meant to be how it is right now. And I no. I agree, Chris. That was a good one. I listened to it on the way back and forth to work, and it was I just liked hearing all those guys. It was it was fun. Uh, set for good times and again you know, i'm just thankful you guys even want to talk shop uh, really talk life because that's what the focus of a lot of this has been and to kind of pick up where we left off in the last one with uh walking in unity as we grow in christ i pitched off to them too just wanted to hear their stories about how their different journeys kind of showed where god orchestrated them to come together to where we are today so, Rossi, if you want to kick that one off, I'll start with you and just how that meet your relationship with Sturm. How did it grow to where you are stuck with us now living life? <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest version. I try I try not to be too long winded. But first, Chris, let me just say um, this is, you know, I, I'm humbled. And I, and I know I sent you this, this text earlier. I'm humbled and honored because this is the first podcast I've been invited to since I did the Code 3 one like four or five years ago. And that was that was just on the interview prep stuff that I did. Um, sure. Just a little background, I guess, and and really, I'm not going to give you the full background. But for me in the fire service, I, yeah. you know, I take I take every position that I've done, you know, to, to heart, right? And I take mm -hmm. it very seriously, whether as a firefighter, driver, captain, to to my current position. But to to kind of kick off, you know, your initial question that you're asking me, I guess what I want the listeners to know is that I'm the kind of guy that I get involved in a lot of things. So I got involved right. early in early in my career when I became a fireman. Um, took a lot of classes, went to a lot of conference all, conferences all over the country, got every technical rescue hazmat certification that I could. I wanted to be, I knew at some point I wanted to be an instructor, went and got my burn masters, the LFTIs, you know, all those kind of things that young guys do in their careers, uh, you know, when they first get started. So kind of, um, I guess for me that, you know, knowing that I'm a busy guy, they get, then getting involved in the Black Pearl Pipes and Drums and like just my whole life has been, centered around, I guess, you know, centered around the fire service. So 
you want to know, I guess, what, like how, how I started getting into meeting Nate and how I kind of got to where I am here. So I'm going to, I'm going to step back a couple of years and give you guys a, 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 kind of a synopsis. And again, if I, if I start getting a little long winded, I'll try to remember that, you know, we have limited time here, but. No, um, I'm going to let you run with it, bud. <laughs> uh, so there, there's, there's a little, so the, my, my background, my story with this, with how I got to where I am with you guys today is a little bit layered. In 2018, I live in a city called Parkland, Florida. Most people don't know where that is. It's a suburb outside of Fort Lauderdale, maybe 30 minutes. But nowadays, when you say Parkland, people say, oh, yeah, I, I remember that, that place. Well, in 2018, we had a massive school shooting here. And my house is about a quarter of the mile away from, from the school. And mm -hmm. several of the local area fire departments responded. We sent trucks from Fort Lauderdale. I was not on the initial response. Uh, I was just, um, I wasn't, you know, I, I'm part of the community here. Talked to guys that responded. They told me their stories. They told me what happened. But it shook up our community. And the way I look at it is, you know, whenever you hear about a shooting in another city, you know, for me, I'm like, that's terrible. You say a prayer for them or, or you know, it's, it's, it's not where I live. But this happened a quarter of a mile away from where my wife and I do life. So it right. shook me completely. And that's the first layer was that school shooting. And I went to, I want to say, 14 of the 17 funerals at the time. Um, I was a youth minister at a Catholic church where I went. This is long before kind of becoming a Christian and having a different focus. But two of the, uh, two of the girls that were shot and killed were in our youth group. So it just shook me a completely different way. There was, there was times where I just was, I just had overwhelming feeling of emotion for no other reason. It had nothing to do with responding and, and the fire department side, but it was in our community and it was people that you see at the store. And I couldn't believe that it happened here. And it, uh, our house where our house sits, they had a makeshift memorial. So in my backyard, you can kind of see the makeshift memorial. So what was happening is I was finding myself going over the memorial multiple times a week, just searching for answers. And I didn't really, you know, Chris, I just didn't have the faith that I had, um, that I have today. And that was the first, I guess, issue or bad event that kind of, mm -hmm. again, I didn't even, I, I wasn't even seeking anything. I didn't really know what, what I was going through. Just a lot of emotions. It really just was hard to, it was hard to just go through life for the next several months. Right. So, so right. that happens. And I'm again, I'm going to give you the reader's digest version of these three or four layers. So that happens. And then for the next four to six months, there were just times where I was driving to work and I had to pull my truck over to the side of the road because you can't get anywhere from Parkland to the rest of Fort Lauderdale or these neighboring cities without passing the school. It didn't matter what route I took. Yeah, I always passed the school. I saw the memorial. I had pulled over several times in my truck and just broke down. I just still couldn't believe this happened. Um, yeah. Towards the, now again, fast forward a few more months and I'm walking into work and I, I just had a really hard time with that whole um, the whole ordeal in our neighborhood. It, time heals everything, right? And this, uh, my city's never going to be completely healed because of all the days that happened on Valentine's Day. So whenever somebody mentions Valentine's Day, I know it's supposed to be love and joy. And yeah, there's a little bit of that, but it just brings me back to what happened here back in 2018. Right. Um, I walked into work not, not too long, I guess, I don't know, maybe about a month after it happened. And, uh, and I remember I was getting ready to go back to shift I was in training at the time and I walked in and I remember the battalion chief, who's a good friend of mine, this guy, Steve Shaw. I've talked about, I've talked about him before, known him 30 years or so. He, he looks at me, he goes, Mark, you okay? And I said, no, no, Steve, I'm not. And like, just right then and there, I broke down in his office and I said, I got to go home. I just, I can't even handle 
anything else right now. I, I can't handle anything at work. I just need to go and figure out what's the next step, right? So right. that's the first thing, Chris, that happened. So, and again, um, I'm just, again, I'm going to just preface this by just giving you a couple different layers that will lead me into what we, what you had asked me. So that was yeah, the first absolutely. thing. So in 2019, I'm going to fast forward to December of 2019. I'm still dealing with the, I'm still doing with the aftermath of the shooting and the pain in the community. In 2019, I go to a fire on a Tuesday morning and I tear my Achilles. And anybody that's had any major injuries knows how mm. serious that is. And the doctor uh, tells me, he says, Rossi, yeah. I got good news and bad news. I'm like, well, what's the good news? Well, the good news is we can fix it. The bad news is you might not ever ride a fire truck again. So, you know, you, you think when you hear that, that's I tough. came from corporate America. <laughs> you know, I wore a suit and tie every day, came to corporate America, yeah. and I didn't want to hear that. I'm like, that's not, that's not what I want to hear. Um, so now I'm dealing with aftermath of a shooting. I tear my Achilles. I couldn't put any weight on it after the surgery for 10 and a half weeks. I mean, like if you go to stretch out your left leg and you put your heel on the ground, I couldn't even do that. And I live in a two-story house. So now for the first month after that happened, again, I had this happened right before Christmas. I had surgery on December 22nd. I think we went to our shift Christmas party. I was walking in a boot. Like I was, I thought I was going to be able to get past that. No problem. Ah, no big deal. I was out of work for 28 weeks. And for me, Chris, kind of why I prefaced it with being busy is I, I didn't, I don't like to miss work. Like I don't probably right. in the last, I don't know, four or five years, I probably called out sick only a handful of times when I needed it, but to be out of work for 28 weeks. And I'm not talking about light duty. I just, I sat home and this dark depression came over me. So now I'm dealing with an aftermath of a shooting. I'm dealing with a very long recovery, Achilles painful, you know, uh, injury, playing with the black pearl pipes and drums. I can't do anything on St. Patty's day. I can't do anything for the holidays. Like my life changed in a matter of seconds and, you know, mm -hmm. lucky I'm still alive and which whatnot, that could be a lot worse. But when right. you have an injury like that, you don't look long-term. You look, at least for me, I looked at, uh, Oh my gosh, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to get around? And um, I don't know how my, how my wife did it, but you know, working a full-time job, she took care of me. She got me through that injury every day. She had the ice machine ready. <laughs> she she hmm. had lunches made for me. She made me as comfortable as possible. But there would be times where she was at work and it would take me three hours to get from one room to the other, scooting on my butt because I couldn't put any weight on this. So that was stressful. Again, I'm, I'm giving you the Regis Digest version of it. But now I've got Not those two, you know, now I've got those two layers and I'm, they're, they're, I'm both handling them together. And now you can see the stress is starting to build up. Right. Now I fast forward a little bit further, 2020. I have a family member that starts having serious mental health issues. There's some suicide stuff goes on. There's constant stress in my family between myself, my siblings, my parents. My, my wife is obviously, you know, she's in my life, so she knows what's going on. So it's every day there's something. I've got to reach out for phone calls and friends and doctors. And, and now I'm trying to deal with that on top of my Achilles and then on top of the aftermath of a school shooting. So I'm overwhelmed with just just overwhelmed at this point. And that's only a span of a few years, right? Oh, I can believe it. It's just a lot. And again, to kind of, so now the fourth and final layer, so to say, now I get through the healing of the Achilles and I start getting back on my feet. And I said, you know what? I, I got this. I'm going back to shift, but I was still stressed out with, with my family member. I got the aftermath going on, still thinking that I can handle everything on my own. And when I get back to work, what do I start doing? I start getting involved like twice as much 
as the first time. Now I'm at the academy. I'm teaching every other day. I'm doing this class. I'm doing this class. I'm starting this class. And when you run, I, I was, this is back when I ran the engine and truck class at the local academy here. And when you run a class with as many moving parts as that class had, uh, everybody relies on you. So now, instead of me coming home and just trying to focus on my wife and our family, uh, now I'm getting phone calls and text messages. Rossi, you need to do this. You got to call this person. We need this equipment. Hey, this guy's over here. Like, it was just overwhelming. So now it all basically just comes crashing down on me. And I, from the outside, if somebody would have seen me at work, they're like, oh, Rossi's got his stuff together. On the inside, Chris, it was just a slow spiral downward. And I wasn't talking to anybody. I didn't. I tried calling the EAP line once as a recommendation from somebody. I think I talked to somebody for thirty minutes and hung the phone up. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm not talking to a total stranger. It wasn't working for me, and um, I just was. I was uh, sitting in church one Sunday, the Catholic church that I belong to, and this is how my how the Sunday went. He was doing a sermon. I couldn't even tell you what the sermon was on. I was on my phone the entire time because the class was starting Monday that we were doing. I'm like, what do I need to do when I get home. Okay, I left church. I checked the box. Great. But there was that missing <clears throat> component in my life. And yeah. uh, just to kind of summarize it up and end this again, I'm sorry for the long answer, but that's those are the four layers of things that happened all within a matter of three or four years, not even four years, three years, where I was dealing with it all at one time. And, you know, my wife is probably the only one that knew I was dealing with it, but I didn't talk about it at work. In fact, I was just an angry SOB at work. I just, I, I was at a point where I didn't like the fire service. I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to, I didn't want to teach anymore. I just was mean to everybody. And I'm like, well, because there was a missing component of my life. And I just was trying to handle everything on my own instead of turning it over to the man. Man, you nailed it with that though, that, that void, that missing component. And um, before I carry on, we were having a little bit of connection issues. Kevin, you good? Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear y'all. We good? Yeah, we're good. All right, cool. Sweet. Yeah, you just bounced in and out. Just wanted to make sure we were tracking still. Sweet. But, Rossby, that's a lot, dude. Like, seriously, you sit and think about that. For it to be back-to-back, that's major stuff, you know? And yeah. now you have a lot of idle time. And to just sit there and, and just think and reflect, you know, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. You can't fulfill your calling. It's just you and your spouse. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I can only imagine that. So, yeah. And it so was, through the, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, and so through that time, um, I know you've mentioned a lot too that you're like best friends with the Sterminator. Were you friends with him during this time frame? No. So I'll kind of, I'll kind of tell you how that evolved. So no, I wasn't. So okay. I have 24 years on in the fire department. And like I said, I'm currently a captain in Fort Lauderdale, but I, we had this thing where we could buy some time back from another agency. So I had worked in two other departments before. I was a volunteer for a little while. Then I spent about four years in a, in a smaller department, bought my time back and kind of gives me kind of where I'm at here in Fort Lauderdale. So I didn't know I didn't know Nate at the time. So what happens is now I've got all four of these things I'm dealing with. And I'm just I'm just at a point where I knew there was something missing. I just was trying to do and handle life's problems on my own as best as I could, because that's how I've always done it. I just said, you know what, I'll just I'll just stay as busy as possible. And I'll be able to fix things because it seemed to work before, but it just wasn't, you know. And and so, so in April of 2021, we literally it's like literally that Sunday that I went to church, that class, that Monday's class was running. And so Monday comes, we get to the academy, 
we do our, we don't, we always started the academy, sorry, we already started our engine truck class right with a, a burn right off the beginning. We caught the students by surprise. They showed up, we gave them radios, we put them on the truck. We said, okay, your engine one, ladder one, whatever. We ran a scenario and like, we just was full throttle. The whole sure. first day was 150 miles an hour. So I see, you know, I look at their roster and I say, okay, these a couple guys from Apopka. And somebody said, hey, do you know, do you know so-and-so from Apopka? Do you know Justin and, and Nate? And I'm like, nope, don't know him. Looked them up on social media. I'm like, okay. And, uh, you know, again, I didn't know him. But Nate came and took that class in April. And I think it was like the second day that we were doing evolutions. The guy that he came with, this guy, another guy, Justin Joseph, another phenomenal fireman, comes up to me and he says, Rossi, he goes, uh, you and Nate are going to become best of friends. And I looked at him. I said, what are you, are you crazy, man? I said, the guy's got, this is before I had all my tattoos. I said, this guy's got his arms all tattooed up. He looks like he just got out of jail. He's going to kick my butt. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, he goes, no, man. He goes, I just can see something about you guys. And I met him in that class, Chris. We started talking, having some really good conversations. And he was supposed to drive home with Justin on Friday. And we were doing our fellowship thing at the local, the, the local uh, pub. And he goes, you know what, Ross? He goes, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay overnight in our hotel and drive home tomorrow. We're just having too much fun. I want to hang out with you, get to know you. So that cool class, uh, the first new engine truck class of April 2021 is where him and I, our initial friendship started. And That's um, awesome, man. I won't go and I'll wait until we get further along, but then I'll, I'll tell you how we kind of went from there. All right. That'll work. What about you, Big Kev? I know you spent some time in Georgia at a Bears of the Oath conference with your your live oak companions. I know uh, you shared that on a couple platforms before, but tell me how that went to where you are today with this group. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think back out of all of us that are involved. I, I for sure met Shane first. Uh, I can actually think back on, uh, we were just looking to go up there and take a conference. We heard that uh, they offered some of the best live fire training in the nation and our chief was supporting us to go find that. So uh, for whatever reason, I ended up being the person that reached out to the organizer and I'd, I'd heard nothing of Shane or anything at this point. I guess I probably found him as a point of contact through the website or something like that. And I'm talking to this guy that his name's Shane Bentley. Well, uh, next thing, next thing I know, he, he helps us out because we're traveling and stuff. He really helps take care of us, accommodate us. Next thing I know we show up and if I remember right, I introduced myself and I wasn't even quite sure if I knew that he was Shane or whatever at the time, but it's pretty much like I know. And I don't think we'd ever even seen each other before. Yeah. And so that, that kind of started that we started to, you know, build a brief relationship up there, talked a little bit here and there throughout the conference. And then uh, next thing you know, we're going back to two or three more uh, conferences and, uh, once you obviously hang out with Shane and those guys, it's not just Shane, it's all of them. You start right. to really realize the type of uh, people they are. Uh, what, I, what I'm realizing now more than ever off of things that have happened in my life and other people's life here recently, the relationships we build through some of these trainings are possibly more important than the actual training themselves. Obviously, we're going over trainings that can affect somebody's life safety and everything else, but uh, the mentorship that Shane has given me is easily more important than any training I've probably received. And so through, through going up there to bears, uh, I was fortunate enough to meet, uh, Mr. Jason and, and his brother, Richie painter. And when you know a painter, you understand nothing really has to be said at all. Once you right. come to be in the circle of those two guys, uh, and I hear they get it from their parents. I know you've been fortunate enough to meet their parents and, I hope one day that I'm fortunate enough to, to sit in their home as well. 
so yeah, we got to meet them, meet Jason and, and, and Richie. And I don't know those guys, it's just heartwarming just saying the name painter because that's just how loving and caring those guys are. Yeah. So, so, so from there, I think we started to, uh, I'm assuming you and me started to maybe communicate through the uncommon page. If, if I'm not mistaken, I do know, I remember reaching out to you and, and having you come down for that first two day lecture deal we did. I think that was the first time you and me met. Yeah. Is that, is that right? It is. Um, oddly enough, Shane pointed us to each other and said, you got to check this guy Fluger out. Well, this was like, if I remember right too, you weren't really on social media a whole lot like a couple no. years ago. And so I, I think, yeah, I think you only had an Instagram account. I was like, all right, well, I'll check out this Fluger dude. And sent you a message through there. And then we started communicating there, uh, showed some support on some of my content. And then you got into Facebook and I was like, oh, that, that's Kevin. So then we clicked up there. Then you invited me down and that was a, a whim for me that, you know, kind of like what, if you listen to Nate's podcast this morning, he dropped on it. It's very similar. I told Ash, I said, Bay, there's a lot of, a lot of my close brothers that I've never got to meet are going to be at this daggum conference. We've got to right. go. And then you sent right. the invites like, Hey, just, just come up and show love. And I said, man, yep. bet. And I'm on my way. And yep. From there, getting to know you, getting to know everyone that would, had a part to play in the actual organization of the conference, the it was just an overwhelming experience, and it really testifies what you just said too. With um, it was more about the relationships afterwards. Granted, there was a lot of great lectures. Everyone you had was bang up and did a phenomenal job with great content. I do believe needs to be heard there's just something to be said about that relationship that was formed and that stuck. And that's when I knew I was like, man, this is a, a true down friend. Like he's, he's going to be there and you, you still are. We all still are in that. And that just goes back again to the original thing we were trying to portray to others is when you have that close knit circle that you can really be transparent with what it really does for not just you, but everyone in that, that tight knit group. And then you go forth and you multiply that and you show that experience to others so they can form that and just promote this overall health and well-being on a mental and spiritual level that cannot get neglected. Yeah, I agree completely. And a lot of it for me is just the the accountability by just knowing yeah. y'all and know, knowing that y'all rely on me and um whenever negative things do creep into my mind or possibly something I shouldn't be doing legitimately, you know, how often we talk and stuff, I couldn't report back to y'all <laughs> something, <laughs> something stupid, stupid I've done or, or whatever it may be. And it's actually really helped direct me in my life. You know, a, a lot of times in life, we act our sharpest after we've screwed up and made our mistakes. That's where we're trying to rebound trying to get our shit together and we're really on our P's and Q's. And then you go on for a while, you get comfortable, life is good and bam, you screw up. Well, I can honestly say that probably six to nine months ago and, and life has been great for me 100% at work with y'all, with my wife, with Christ and everything else. And, and I had some things creep, creeping into my mind and some things just that kind of haunt me, how I grew up, old habits and stuff like that. And legitimately, y'all are what came to mind. And I was like, man, I need to cut that crap out. Those thoughts can't even be entering my mind. I got I got too many people that rely on me, and I can't let these guys down. That's just how influential y'all are. 
Well, brother, I share that same accountability, and you know that. Uh, I'm glad to hear that you're able to get that with us, man. Ross, you're circling back to you, bud. Uh, both y'all, honestly, are like OG members of the, the Uncommon group when it was – it's kind of crazy little slide topic how it's transformed into what it is today, which is still an incredible sense of accountability and push of passion. But, man, when it was first on, it was legitimate, like, what are you working on? And it was like first name basis in this private group of, okay, well, and then we would follow up on it in this private group. So we'd just keep it off our main page kind of thing. And uh, y'all were pivotal roles in that. I mean, I was able to do a challenge, remember it was the, the McGee. And you, yep. if you completed it and documented it, you we'd make a t-shirt and send it to you. Well, at that time, there was like maybe 50 people in the group. So I can do that. Now I can't, I can't do that. So, you know what I mean? But those are the days I, I say that like I'm Uncle Rico on the playing dynamite or something. But those were those are times where that really set the foundation and the tone. And we've kept that throughout the whole process of what it is today. So that's where I started to learn from you, Rossi, and more about you, especially you, Kevin, after the Live Oak conference as well. That was just phenomenal. But Rossi, what was that like to you? So you're coming out of that that dark spell you were in. Yeah. And this group kind of gets formed. Um, you were there too when you were getting tagged into it before it came into this group. So what was that like for you to where now we're doing Bible studies on like a weekly basis? Yeah, sure. So, so you know, and I'll answer the first part, the Uncommon group. You know, when COVID hit and I was going to a regular gym, I, just, I wasn't working out in my gear, my garage. COVID hit, and I remember to be in the gym one day, and I see these like saran wrap around one of the machines. I'm like, "What's that kind of crap?" And then I see, <laughs> then I see two, then I see three, then I see four, and I'm like, "All right, I'm done. I'm not coming anymore." Then you start the uncommon group, and I'm like, "These guys are doing workouts in their garage with stuff that I could get, you know, that I could find in the industrial park." So I went and got tires. I found, you know, I went to a junkyard and found tires. Then I would buy a couple things on Amazon. Next thing you know, I had a full blown gym in my garage, and my workouts were 10 times better than I ever got in an air-conditioned gym. You know, not, okay. not in the gym, and because I, I still go to a, a gym on certain days for strength training, but that's how the Uncommon group kind of got me because I'm looking at men and women that are, you know, my age and my late 40s. I'm like, these guys can do it, and these guys are killing it. I'm nowhere as near some of you guys and your fitness levels, but that's not what it's about. What it's about is, hey, listen, this is our job. How do we become, you know, performance-based fit on the fire ground? And there's so many different awesome workouts that I picked up from guys and gals that I would just take some from this person, some from this person, some from this, uh, you know, a female flyer over here that's doing this and she's got this going on. And there's another guy over here. And I kind of just put it together, started working and started to make me feel good again. So that was the right. first part, Chris, with the whole uncommon. But going back to now kind of where I'm getting at today. So the April class finishes. Nate and I stay in touch. We're, we're now they were talking April of 2021. Now, okay. I fast forward for a year. July of 2022, he has that line of duty death in his department. Prior mm -hmm. to that happening, he came to me and he's like, hey, um, I'm taking my district chief test. You know, would you want, would you help me out with my, my interview? And I said, dude, you're a friend. Of course, I'm going to help you out. So we spent some time working and he got promoted. I was really happy for him. And then July 2022, he calls me up. He tells me what happened. And I remember because it was like a Wednesday and I get off the phone with him and I tell my wife, I'm like, honey, I need to drive up to Orlando tomorrow. And she understood because all I did is talk about Nate. This is long before she met him. She goes, no, I understand yeah. completely. So I got to get up there for this guy. I said, we've become really good friends over the year. We're talking every day. We're having some just good conversations about life, 
about being a husband, being a company officer, a lot of fire department stuff, talk, you know, shop. And so I drive all the way up to Apopka, but I didn't initially tell him that I was coming. What I did is, and as I kind of sent his, his wife a text message on Messenger, because at the time she had reached out to me a couple of times. I'm like, listen, don't, don't tell him I'm coming. I'm just going to surprise him. I'll show up at your house. We arranged the pre, prearranged time, checked in at my hotel. I showed up at his house. This was a couple of days before the, 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 um, the funeral. And it just like, it was awesome. I can't even tell you the emotions that I get a little, I got goosebumps just thinking about it because we hugged and I was like, man, this is great. We finally get to meet each other in person. We had a, a phenomenal night, just me getting to know his family, just, just kind of, you know, talking about everything. Um, at the time, if you remember, there was like a bigger group of guys from that area that were involved in, in these Bible studies or men's fellowships. So I got to meet some of those guys too, but yeah. that weekend, even though we were there to celebrate the life of that young guy that, that, that passed away, that weekend was, I don't want to make it, it's not, obviously it wasn't about me, but indirectly when I drove home on that, on that Sunday to go back to Fort Lauderdale, it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was a blessing. It doesn't, things don't happen. You and I know, we, we know that there's no coincidences in life. Like Nate was put in my life for a reason. And I believe maybe I was put in his life for a reason. We became great friends that weekend kind of solidified it. And I got home and, he called me like right away and he's like, man, he goes, I just can't believe he came all the way up here. And I said, but you would do the same thing for me if it was down. But, you know, Chris, I went through my entire career in Fort Lauderdale. There's, you know, we have 600 people in our department. I'm lucky if I can say that I've got six or seven good friends in my department. Not that they're not good people. They're great people. Right. um, There's when I got injured, I think maybe two people from the department reached out to say, Hey, Rossi, how you doing? You know, that, that hurts, man, a little bit. When you reach yeah. out, you, you, especially when you reach out to other people, when they're going through stuff, you're like, Hey, man, I'm just checking on you. But when two people from your department reach out to you and like, Hey, how's, how's it going? How's your injury going? Hey, I'm thinking about you. Like, th- those two people mean the world to me, you know, or two or three yeah. guys that they reached out. But or they might, or they might do it once, you know, yeah. and they'll never do a follow up. It's like, Okay, I checked on them. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, and, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like, why do people do yeah. that, man? You know, but they're they're self absolved they're self involved. Their life gets in the way. I get it. We can make excuses all day long, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I still to this day I can't wrap my wrap my mind around why when somebody gets injured, just a phone call, a text means a lot. But when you know when you're sitting at home and you're a little depressed on an injury and people don't call you, but I'll tell you what, Nate called me. Um, he called me. This is again after getting back home. We talked every other day, and then he. Uh, he basically said to me one day, we're just talking about life. And I shared with him all of those frustrations that I told you in the initial yeah. part of this podcast. And I said, I really don't know what to do, man. I said, I've never been. Uh, I, he's like, well, he goes, I remember he asked me this. He goes, you know, do, do you read your Bible? And I kind of laughed at him. I said, Nate, my Bible sat on my bookshelf for 48 years collecting dust. I don't even know where to start. He's like, well, you know, why don't you come to a Bible study? And I kind of laughed at him. Snow, and I said, listen, man, I said, I don't want religion forced on me. I don't, I've been in that shoes before. I've had people say, I just was very skeptical, Chris. Again, sure. I was in a different time of my life. I was in a different place. I was raised Catholic, didn't know anything about like the church that I go to now and what we had. But I, he's like, just keep an open mind. He goes, Mark, you don't have to say anything. Just listen to how it goes. And I think it's going to help you. And I said, oh, okay. So that first initial, you know, uh, Bible study, I, in my back of my mind, Chris, I was thinking, oh, these guys are going to be preaching. They're going to be doing like all this evangelist stuff. And, I'm going to walk away after being there for 10 minutes. But it was funny. The first, I think the first one I joined, they said some scripture, maybe watched a video. And then the entire conversation was just talking about how to become better firemen, better captains, better husbands, yeah. better officers. Um, we didn't, yes, we related what we were talking about to the Bible, but it was more or less like 
these guys are the same. They're just, just like me. They're going through the same issues that I'm going through, but here's how they're going through them in their neck of the woods. And that's where it started. And I just, I, I walked away from the first or second one and I'm like, this is pretty cool. I said, I'm getting something out of it. And then that kind of, again, just after those conversations led into how to pray. And I realized Chris that it, well, this is, this is what, I guess my point of my story. It took me 48 years to have, to learn how to have a relationship with God because before it was just a religion, if that makes sense, going to it absolutely church, makes perfect sense. And, that... and, and I'm not knocking the, the Catholic church. I had a good foundation as a, as a kid, my parents took me, but I never had a real relationship with God until after I met Nate and then met TJ McCormick, the pastor at my church, and then mm -hmm. met you six guys from our tribe. And those are the three pillars of success that I, I think about what we know we're going to talk about today is meeting Sturm and meeting my pastor, my pastor, which is a completely another story. And another <laughs> nice raw as raw as can be a nice guy, not really nice guy. And then meeting <laughs> you guys and on a day to day basis, talking to you guys. And I know we talk a lot, but it's really kept me on the path of, of just doing the right thing. And I'm so Amen. blessed. I'm so blessed. Well, I'm, I'm proud of you, Rossing. I really Thank am. You. Thank hey. you. Thanks. Kevin, it's it was kind of the same with you because a uh, little backstory. So, you know, now the Uncommon Group has has gained some some traction at this point, right? And I still wanted to to honor God with this stuff. So, it I would still have some posts in there that were still related to a relationship basis with God. And we had a brother reach out, brother Corey. And he's like, "Man, can we start a Bible study group?" And I said, "Man, absolutely, take that on and tackle it." And he started that. We did once a week. We did about two or three studies, and it got to where another learning curve, you would say, Facebook Messenger would only allow like 10 or 12 people, I think, to be connected at one time. And at this point, we were still giving each other and great just encouragement, words from a lot of great individuals. I think that number almost got us like 50 in that group thread, right? Yeah. And so the Bible study stopped. And it still kept into pouring into one another with scripture and helping through people's different problems they were going through and giving them biblically sound advice through that to where I'd say a few months went by and it's like, man, let's, let's round two. Let's, let's do this again. So we asked, uh, you know, who all could really commit because we learned we we're going to do about 10 or 12 on this app. We got that going, but it was the consistency that a select few showed throughout all of those to where, it just kind of got to where it is today. And some of those Bible studies, no credit to anyone else in their seasons of life. But if you start off on week five, but you missed week one through four, it just wasn't the same because it, it forced you to get very vulnerable with these individuals. And a lot of us were still kind of acquaintances at this point yep. in time, you know? And so you're, you're learning you're like, man, are they, I know we're supposed to be in a judge-free zone, but are they going to kind of judge? Or you know, I'm also kind of a, a figure out there in the service. You know, I'm not just uh, somebody that's not heavily plugged in. So how would this imp So there's a lot of different dynamics that were going on, right? And Kevin, I think that's when you started in, if I'm not mistaken. If you correct me or not. Yeah, so you like had you reached out to me. I remember I was even at work. I was in my room at work, and I remember you just I got the text and. And similar to what Rossi's kind of Rossi said on this, I was a little un uncomfortable, you know, uh, I wasn't as into the word and stuff as, as much as I am now. And I, I had some hesitancy, but a, a big thing I do in my life 
I try to all the time, probably a hundred times a day is I ask myself for direction and what the right thing to do is. And my, my roots are in, my roots are in Christianity. And, uh, I, I, I really saw this as was happening for a reason. And so I, I said, yes. And, uh, and I don't remember if it was the bigger group or what, but I had tuned into one when I think is maybe the group before. And, you know, it was, it didn't, it was nothing, it didn't go nothing smooth or anything, but it was still the right thing to do. And probably that's when you followed up again on getting back together. And so, yeah, we, uh, y'all were actually super patient with me. I don't even know. I missed a couple and, <laughs> and, uh, uh, I don't know what it was. Y'all kind of formed a new group on who was being consistent. And I, I still to this day don't know what it was. I don't feel like I was deserved to be brought in. But thank God that y'all did bring me in. Uh, I, I remember going back and watching every single one that I did miss. So I understood completely where everybody was coming from. And uh, to, to me, the only thing that makes sense is, you know, it, it was put on one of y'all's mind by God. Like, hey, we're we're keeping Kevin in this. And I'm extremely thankful to this day for it. Because yeah, in my mind, in, in my mind, it, it just doesn't make sense from my point of view. I don't know what happened on y'all's end, what conversations or whatever y'all had, <laughs> but but I would have I would have voted that guy out probably. And but y'all y'all kept y'all kept me in. Well, Kevin, look at I mean, I was as skeptical as anybody, and and I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I told Nate this multiple times on a sidebar. I'm like Nate. I, I just don't know if this is for me, man. I said, I've never done this before. I don't, I don't even know where to read the Bible. He's like, well, do you pray? I'm like, I say like a bunch of prayers I know. He goes, I didn't even learn how to pray until probably six months after we were doing this. And it was, and I know that sounds kind of funny, but I, I just, you know, I just don't talk about it. And I talk about it with you guys. And I talk about it now a little bit more. And I don't, I'm not afraid to say, you know, I'm a Christian because that's not obviously where I'm at in my, my path. But there was a time where, you know, it's not like you're going to, go stand on a street corner and preach it or go at the station and, you know, and talk about it at the station around people you don't know or trust. Cause you know how it is, you know? And, but uh, even this with, with this group, I was so skeptical at the first, I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to keep my mouth closed. I'll listen to what they have to say and I'll make a decision from there. But I'll tell you what, thank God I did because I am in a much better place now in my life. I've got peace and joy in my heart that I've never had before. I mean, on the outside looking in, you would never know it. But once I, once I started giving up some things that just weren't that important in my life anymore is when things got better. And that's what God was really trying to tell me. He's like, Mark, you need to take a break. You need to focus on your wife, focus on your family, and you don't have to be involved in 15 different things. And let me tell you, once that, once I made that decision and gave up some of those things after teaching for 15 years and stopped doing classes, my wife, my life got completely better, like a whole, you know, 180. See, those are, those are the victory stories I love, man. It's where it's just, the power of Christ and what he can do through you with you taking that leap of faith and just being open-minded to just learning about it. And once, once God sees that in his children that, okay, I do want to know more about you. There's you're, you're pulling my strings in some way, making me feel some type of way. Let me continue to pursue this. And he just continues to show himself to you in, in only ways that you can be able to see him versus someone else. And that's kind of what I wanted to touch on, too, is now that we've learned how you've grown to have a relationship with them. And I know we've shared this before, but I think it's great stuff that others need to hear, too, that either may be on the fence or new in their faith. But how can you tell that you've seen God work in your lives since really making him a priority? Kevin, you want to start that one off? Man. Well, 
to, to start at the end part of it, my wife, my relationship with my wife is by far the best it's ever been. Uh, my, fo my focus on Christ is the best I've ever been through this. Uh, as you know, and others know that will be listening to this, I, I am doing a daily reading uh, of the Bible to read the Bible in a year uh, because of this group and because of my now following in Christ like I am. I still think back to a few months ago when we started this reading, seeing my wife for the first time reading a Bible in bed just just, just blew my mind. And uh, with that now being the foundation of what we are and what we're doing, our relationship is completely uh, the best it's ever been. And, and touching off of what Rossi said on not being able, not being hesitant to, you know, be proud of our Christianity. Um, another big one to me that comes to mind is what I, I shared with you all from our trip in Cabo. Uh, yeah. built, a relation, built a relationship with a, a firefighter down there, and we've kept in touch since then. Uh, somebody who seems to be an amazing human being, and I was open about my reading of the Bible and going to church, and you know, she, she provided a story that she went back to church after not being there for many years just because of me being open about it. So wow. uh, being able to not just influence, you know, my wife and my house and myself, but, you know, we have it naturally in us as firefighters to help other people to be able to help somebody in a, in a whole nother country just uh, blows my mind. And, and in the big picture of this, you know, I know we've been doing this about a year or so, whatever it is, and this is only the beginning. So I can only imagine with us getting better at our praying, Rossi. I'm the exact same way. I've never learned to pray until now. And uh, having the best relationship with Christ that I've ever had and, and having these exposures in my life and seeing what's coming, I'm legitimately the happiest I've ever been. And it all just goes back to that relationship with Christ. Amen. And that's, that's the big thing is the humility through it all, man. And to give a preface to those listening, by no means – is this a, we're tooting a horn. We're just showing you what it looks like when you finally decide to get off the bench of Christianity and get involved in the field and go find your team and you start playing for the kingdom of heaven. This is what, this is what you hear. These are the stories you hear. This is what happens in your life. And you get to honor God through that. You're making eternal impacts far more superior than anything you can tangibly do while you're on this earth. And he can take anybody. I've, I've got a very rough background. I've had a very godless life before coming to know him. I know you guys have shared the same. It doesn't matter who you are, but you cannot deny his existence when you just hear the stories, these victory stories of what is going on and how he's transforming lives and then using those transformed lives to help transform other lives. That's just, I'm getting goosebumps, guys. Well, the, and, the, and the biggest thing to me is, and just like you, Rossi, I've I've always prayed and I've always felt my relationship with God has been good. Uh, like I've discussed with you, I've never, ever lost faith in any, any adversities or anything through my life. But now through these studies and being more intentional with it is, you know, we've always known the commandment, you know, you should love your neighbor. Uh, but that's something when I kind of, my relationship wasn't there. I wasn't as intentional with my Christianity. Yeah. I have always tried to be loving and caring about other people, but I mean, it's at the forefront of everything that we're studying and in a society that we live in now that's turned into so uh, selfish and everything else. I think it's more important for us to be intentional with caring about others. You know, Christianity seems to be suppressed more than ever in our country. So uh, we should be more intentional than ever with, with what we're doing to help open the eyes of others as well. 
but yes, without a doubt, Chris, you know, we can really dig into our, our mistakes and we haven't been perfect and we're still not being perfect. There's still things that, that are on my mind daily because of reading the things that I need to get better with and I can be more effective. But these responses of digging in and getting on the right path, this response with my wife, uh, so this response with this girl from Mexico and the, the situation I had the other day that I told you about when I was going into the gym, this, this yeah. is, this is only the beginning of this. And, uh, anybody that's willing or at their point in their life where maybe they've hit a certain time where they're ready to be more open-minded and dig into this, like I have, and we have, you know, um, I just think it's great for us to provide that re resource to try to help give some direction on that. Oh, absolutely. Rossi, you want to back that up? It's tough to back up that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I just a lot of things come come to mind. I, I stopped having sure. to. I, I guess I stopped having to seek the validation of others is one big thing, and instead of relying and worried about what other people are going to say about me and having to meet these expectations, I started changing my focus and saying, "What's really important here? Do, do I care about what other people say about me? I mean, I used to." Do I care about what they said it right. to me about at the academy or if I stopped working there? These guys were the so-called brothers talking behind my back because a lot of that, you know, was going on. I said, I, you know, I don't care anymore. I stopped. So I used to worry, Chris, a lot and Kevin about everything. I mean, everything. I still worry a little bit, but I was there since I kind of – what's that? Oh, I was just saying I was there too. I respect what you're saying. Yeah, and since I kind of just started changing my focus and, and – found my tribe and filling my cup a little differently every day, the worry goes away. And, and yes, I'm always going to worry about some things. And I always, I always think, you know, there's going to be a time in my life where God puts a big mountain in front of me or a big challenge. And, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he's going through some rough stuff, but he's got, he had so much peace in the conversation. And he's like, Rossi, I'm good, man. I'm going through X, Y, and Z, but you know what? I'm, I'm right with God. And I, and it just was, I was like, I hope that if I, have a challenge in my life that I'm going to be in the same state of mind. Cause it's not always rainbows and unicorns. I've said that a lot, but it's true, right. right? Life is hard, man. Life is painful. You know, people come and go in your life for a reason. People that, that say that I hate they when they use the term, the brotherhood and they use it loosely and they yeah. say one thing to your face and then they go behind your back and talk about you. You know, that's the, I hate that, you know? Um, yeah. But going back to kind of what your, your question was is, is I remember specifically there was a time and in, in in recently within the last couple of years, my wife and I were looking for a different church because the Catholic church just wasn't doing it for us anymore. I'm, I'm just going to be completely honest. We don't go in a church, the up and downs, the memorizing the prayers, not even being able to hear the priest half the time, the sermons, they didn't, it just didn't teach to real life. So when I, when I was driving home one day and the church I go to now, Coastal Community Church here in Parkland, I drove by it. And I'm like, oh, let me check that out. We like, we went, my wife and I went like church shopping. I know it sounds kind of funny, but for like a, six months, we were going to different ones. And I, I was like, I was just getting frustrated. I'm like, you know what? I said, I don't, I don't I'm going to stop looking. We just, every time we would go to one, I'm like, no, not for us, not for us. But when I met Coastal, I went by myself the first time and I sat in the back. And I, I know this is going to sound crazy to a couple people listening, but it's like God was talking through the pastor directly to me. The sermon for, and, and I just happened to walk in on a random Sunday. It wasn't like I even knew what was going on, but I'm sitting all the way in the back. He was talking as this bald headed guy, his name's TJ, is my current pastor, but he, whatever he was talking about that day was going through him, directed at me. And I'm like, how can this be? 
And hmm. I left, I left, I left a little early, like I used to do with the Catholic mass, like before they, after they give you communion and they do the announcements, I'd skip out of there. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to skip out of here real quick. And I walk out to the parking lot and there's this, there's the pastor that was just talking two minutes ago. I'm like, how did you get out here so fast? He goes, hey. <laughs> so he goes, Hey, Rossi, how'd you, how, what did you think of the service? And I looked at him. I'm like, all right, this guy's crazy. How does this guy know my name? <laughs> I'm like, I, I literally was just in, but it turns out that there's another fireman from Pompano that went to my church. And I guess he said something to him. And I said, I like it. It's different. I said, your, 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 you know, your sermon was, you related it to the Bible, but you related it to, to life. You didn't talk about something 4,000 years ago and try to relate it to 4,000 years ago. You related it to, to 2023 here in Parkland or whatever. And uh, right. he goes, wait, am I going to see you again? I said, yeah. And it's kind of funny. I mean, yeah, I have to miss a couple services here and there due to, 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 to shift schedule, but ever since joining this new church and having this new foundation of Christianity, my, my, my wife loves the church. She loves the music. She goes with me. Which is a blessing all in all of its own. Um, there's very rare. There's there's not too many Sundays that I miss unless I'm out of town or I have to. I actually look forward to going. Whereas when I went to the other church, I was like, well, do I got to go again? Eh, maybe I go every six months. So I don't know, Chris, if that answers your if no, it does, man. and that's uh, you know, it's God's the grand orchestrator. That's kind of the a point I'm I'm trying to prove to you, and you guys are helping me without me even kind of you know telling you about it. It's he puts everything in motion, you know, Romans 828 for all things come together for the glory of good for him. And I know I paraphrase that, so forgive me, but everything works the way he wants it to do. And it's for his will. And it's just so awesome to hear. I call I just can't help but call him victory stories to where he has impacted you. And now that you said, OK, God, here am I. And you just grow with him and you walk with him and you nailed it earlier. It's a relationship. It's not a religion. It's not work based. You know, he tells us in John for I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one shall come to my father except through me. You don't have to memorize prayers. You don't have to go to confessions. You don't have to do these workouts in a few to have a relationship with Christ. It's legitimately just you and him. Now that you have that relationship, there's a lot to be said when you, learn how to live life with other Christians and gender specific. So that way they can relate to the things that only a male can relate to. And you grow from that. And it's just, it's the whole method of discipleship, which parallels big time with mentorship in all honesty. So reverting that to the fire service for a second. Now that you guys have gotten stronger in your walk and you're being discipled through our group and through God's words, do you see that reflecting outwards to you guys on shift or whatnot when you do have that mentorship kind of situation pop up? And Chris, I just want to add one thing, if you don't mind, real quick. I sure. just came to mind. There was a time there that when I was going through this transition, I'm just going to be honest again, people, I know there's a lot of people out there listening, but I remember coming home and I just, because I felt so overwhelmed, I didn't know what to do, but I remember Nate told me this. He goes, he goes, Mark, have you ever, ever gotten down on your knees and prayed? And I'm like, you know, I don't know if that was like a metaphor. And I'm like, no, but I just, I literally came home one day, shut the lights off, just got on my, got on my knees and just said a prayer. And I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm doing this right, Lord, but you know, just show me some guidance, show me where you want me to go. And a couple of, a couple of other issues that I, in my life that I was working on. And he did, he showed me, he showed me exactly where I needed to be, but just a simple, you know, um, doing that. This is crazy. It's just crazy how things work. You know? Yeah, absolutely. No, it is, man. And it's, there's just something to be said about praying on your knees because it's just it's an act of submissiveness. You know, when you look at the 
older times back then, everyone bowed before the king. Well, he's the king of kings. So when you go to him, who am I to stand upright and chest puffed out when I, when I pray to him for thanks? You know, it's just little things. I'm not saying that's the right or wrong way to do it, but that's kind of the analogy going back to what you're talking about. There's just power on praying on your knees. Yeah. And, uh, but what about you, Kevin? Have you uh, have you seen the discipleship parallel to mentorship in the fire service since growing stronger in your walk with Christ? Yeah. You know, anybody that knows me uh, know that I really try to be intentional with mentorship and, and leadership and servant leadership. So it's, I've always had a focus on try to people beneath me. I've made my failures. I've, I've missed, I've swung and missed before mm-hmm. when I should have been there. But for the most part, you know, I've, I, I know I give it my all and I, I feel I'm a, effective with it. But now with this aspect coming on with Christ being involved and our studies of what we're having and uh, sharpening it up, the mindset of how we should be treating people and guiding people, it, it, I feel like it's really more completed me now. Uh, so when I receive a phone call off duty or I have a situation, uh, I'm more confident than ever for sure. Uh, talking with that individual. And then if I know that they're a follower as well, it's it's really easy just to dig into that aspect because Christ and the Bible just gives us so much direction on uh, how to handle adversities or handle situations. So especially when you're talking with another believer, uh, you know, it, it really simplifies things. And and just trusting and, and having faith and just control what you can control and, and, and trust in Christ as we work through any situation. So it makes me feel com- complete. And I guess maybe not complete, but I'm headed towards complete. I still have a long way to go in this journey and I know it'll never end, but uh, I, I'm, I'm for sure more confident than ever with, with working with my guys on shift and, and anybody around me, that's for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And Rossi, I love how you, you've shared in the past how you've introduced the new guys on your shift. Like, this is my firehouse. You lay out the expectations. Do you feel your approach kind of change a little bit, too, to kind of reflect what God expects of you or wants out of his children? What's that Absolutely. like? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll just share something that I started doing differently. Not not recently, but maybe a year ago, I guess. Sure. So um, before I walk into the firehouse, pretty much every morning, you know, I say a prayer for the entire crew, keep them safe. You know, I always ask God as an officer, just give me the right, you know, influence that I make the right decisions that I bring them home safe. Because that's my only priority between, between the time I get out of my truck and walk in that firehouse to the following morning is like, how can I get the, the men and women that I serve home safe to their families? Yes, we're going to train. We're going to have fun. We're going to run our calls. We're going to be up all night, we're going to be up all day, you know, we're going to do our thing that we got to do. But at the end of the day, like, how can I be the best possible leader and serve the men and women that that are sort of under my watch at the firehouse? So that's kind of the first thing that I do. Um, I, you know, I've kind of found myself just as I'm going through the day, doing a better, doing a better uh, check on the individuals throughout the day. Like if we're having a busy shift, or if the rescue's getting hit with a bunch of calls and having late lunch, it's just like, opening up the door, taking five minutes to talk to the fireman. How's it going, man? How's your family doing? Like, and actually sitting there and listening, because I know I struggle with that. Sometimes I interrupt people and I've got to get better at it, but listening to what they have to say, how's their families? Hey, how's it going today? 
hey, you know what, you need a break, just sit down and take 10 minutes and don't worry about doing those reports right now or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, but just trying to, to, to shift the way I look at things at work instead of, instead of worrying about the small things that are beyond our control, the, the firehouse talk and the gossip and the negativity, like, is that really important today? Do I have to worry about X, Y, and Z? What's the bigger picture? The bigger picture is, hey, did we do the right thing for that patient? Are we going to make it home safely tomorrow? And if, right. if in the middle of it, we've got to talk about if somebody's going through something at the firehouse, I try to give them an open door policy. I keep it private, but I'm also supported by a battalion chief on my shift that is I'm very good friends with. And, and I know he won't, he won't mind me uh, saying his name here, but Chief Cool in, in Fort Lauderdale is a huge influence on where I am today in my walk with Christ because he's a Christian. He is a he is such a nice, genuine guy. He cares about the guys on shift. He works out with us. Like he's just been a huge influence to where I'm at today. And I'm only even sharing his name because, um, what you know, there's been so many guys like Nate and, and Cool and you guys. There's been so many uh, focal people that if if they weren't there to guide me along, I don't even know where I'd be right now. To be honest with you, Chris, I'd probably be that same negative SOB that I was two years ago walking into work. Like I almost thought I was going to walk into work and say, heck with this. I'm just going to quit the fire service early. That's so I almost yeah. got to that point, but it, but it never, but they we always say God didn't forget about me. He left what is it? The 99 and he didn't leave me way out there. I thought for sure he was that's going right. to, you know, but he didn't. Um, so yeah, definitely. Helps. Well, that's, that's beautiful, man. It, it just goes to show. Cause there's, there's a lot of people too that, talk about in the fire service and i don't know if they just talk about to talk about if there's a whole lot of merit to it but there's a lot of people that say they just lose their passion and they just never recover from it and it's usually from a a bad dark season that they're currently in or ending and they just never bounce back from that so to hear your story on that and to you know just regain the purpose of everything is incredible to hear so i'm thankful you shared that absolutely man Uh, i know we're we're getting on an hour, and I don't think you guys have much. I know, Ross, you got a big date tonight, so I'm definitely not going to hold you up. <laughs> You're going to hold me up. You're fine. But uh, I want to talk engine work with you guys. I got two engine nerds at the same time on this episode, so I want to switch gears and have a little fun. Right. And um, Kevin, talk me through your last fire. What was that like for you, man? You know, what, what was the outcome? Let's talk fire. Oh, man, it was a great one. It was with uh, brother Reed Hampton. He was on the nozzle. Uh, he was he was new to our department at the time. He was actually bringing all kinds of work, car fires, uh, all kinds of fire calls. I don't know what has happened. We need another new guy so we can get some <laughs> stuff rolling again. But he probably thought we burned all the time because he was just bringing some action to us for sure. So uh, it was cool. Uh, we actually hadn't even quite gotten into all the engine ops teaching and stuff quite with this guy. He was so new. And uh, but so but we get a call. I forget if we were awake or not, but we get a call and uh, it's it's flames, flames through the roof. So, you know, here we go. We're fired up. We're going down uh, the road and we pull up. I, I peek through. I cross it was on the driver's side. I, I, I glare through. I do see some glow coming through the roof and I call inch and three quarter on it. Inch and three quarter front door. So uh, we get the line deployed. Uh, we got another unit comes up. I make sure that they know, hey, y'all go hit the primary. So they they take off out in front of us. This thing had already vented. It, it ended up being uh, probably three rooms of, of fire, three, three and a half, and the attic just fully, fully involved. So 
Uh, we're getting in there. I'm backing up Reed. The other guys are doing a, a primary. Uh, there did end up being a casualty in this. It was a lady that was on on hospice, ended up being dead. She probably didn't. Looking back, she probably, I don't think she suffered any. I think uh, it probably overcame her before she even knew it. I think the thing might have got up into the attic and then came down on top of her, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, it was it was crazy, you know. So we're putting to work all the stuff we teach of of you know line of sight, putting water on what's actually burning, not trying to bank stuff. I'm back and read up, trying to hit my friction points, offloading hose, everything else. And uh, he's crushing it. He's crushing it. Anywhere we're putting water, it's it, it's crushing it. Uh, but there was legitimately we 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 joke about it. Somebody even made shirts like there's fire everywhere. We legitimately we we, we 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 joked about it, and it was hoarding conditions too. So our 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 head was at pretty much the ceiling of this place as well. There was so much so much hoarding conditions. So. Uh, so then we, we have pretty good knockdown on everything on, on the division one. And I start to see Reed kind of do the typical, and now we're going to try to apply water from below to get water into the attic. And that's just an indicator to me. No, we have to, we have to get up there. So I call for an attic ladder or something, or the driver was, I think even on point, if I remember right, uh, has an attic ladder there up, up close to the front door. Scuttle hole was in a good spot where you typically go up and I get read up into the attic and uh, it, it, there he's able to just get 360 water up there in, there in that attic. And at that point, that's finally where we hear from our command outside that they're seeing a, they're seeing a conditions change. It, it was a fire for sure. I was waiting to, to hear, to hear our captain pull us out. He probably had every right to a lot of the roof and stuff had already collapsed. We knew though, that there's possibly somebody in that home. So, we were balls to the wall till till proven otherwise. And uh, what's funny is I think where fire everywhere came from. So we're watching some old footage from some, you know, cops, body cams and stuff like that. And <laughs> it look it looks it looks way worse than what I remember. And right. uh, from from what I saw on size up and stuff. And I, I asked Reed, I was like, did it seem like there's that much fire? And he was like, yeah, once I got in the attic, it, it, it sure did. So. <laughs> Uh, but it was, it was cool, man. It was, it was cool to put everything to work that, you know, we teach and we work on, you study stuff from Dennis O'Gear about on plane, off plane, interior water, being, being in line of sight with your water, man. And I realized more than ever, just how important all that stuff is. If you want to be effective with your stream and you can be crazy effective with 160 GPM, it's just putting the water in the right spot when you need to put Absolutely. it, uh, I, I had numerous people question me on why we didn't pull. We run a two and a quarter line, the super two on why we didn't pull that. And I, I, I had, I referenced them back to read, you know, ask them if he had issues extinguishing anything, you know, with, with the walk, with the seven, eight and, and we did not So uh, it was cool, man. It was a great one. Man. I'm, I'm really glad you touched on that with the, the training, the preparation and the execution, because there's a lot of times I've heard and seen too firsthand that, you know, you, you train or you may not train near as much as you want to, but a kind of out of your hands deal and you get on a call and it's like everything just went out the window and there's like no game plan. We're just going to spray and pray. And that usually is a lot more work and you're not effective with the water application. Uh, I definitely hear you too on the, the two and a two and a half, two and a quarter versus the inch and three. I'm an inch and three all day. Cause I know how to apply the water. I've, I've studied on it. I've trained on it. I'm, I'm perfectly knowledgeable i will say safely on when to use that versus 
different other scenarios that would really call for a deuce and a half. And I know Rossi's over there just getting fired up, so I can't wait to hear it. I can't <laughs> I wait to hear your story. I love hearing that stuff, man. I'm, I'm, as Kevin's telling me the story, I'm picturing you what's going on in my head. So that's awesome. You know? Yeah, it's, there's just so much work that you can do when you truly know how to use the inch and three-quarter and its true capabilities. And, you know, I've been on some calls where a deuce and a half was pulled on a two-room and content on a single division, and I'm like, um, okay, not going to buck that one, but yes, sir, we'll, we'll roll with that. And they're having issues trying to get it around, or they waste a quarter, if not half a tank, from outside trying to make a transition to the inside. And I'm just like, man, this could have been done already. But, you know, it's a live and learn process, so I'm glad you touched on that. Sure. What you got, Rossi? What was your fire like, your last one you caught? Uh, I mean, there's a few of them, but I got one that comes okay, to mind. Okay, here we go. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just good to share. So, we, we were, so my company, uh, Engine 8, we were clear. We were on a medical call. And I remember the rescue hadn't eaten lunch. It was getting late in the day. I sent these guys back home. I'm like, listen, we'll stay here on scene. I, I have to wait for uh, Fort Lauderdale PD to show up because it was, uh, you know, kind of one serious call. So, I send the rescue back. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. The battalion chief gets on the radio. He goes, you guys still on scene? I said, chief, we've been here about 35 minutes. He goes, all right, I'm going to call I'm going to call uh, police from another agency to respond to you guys. Now we're a good hour after I sent the rescue back, and we're just sitting on the scene. And, you know, you're sitting on a medical call. You're thinking, that's just another typical day in Fort Lauderdale. Well, a car fire comes in. I don't initially – I didn't initially hear it because I was standing outside talking to the, the uh, police officer from the neighboring jurisdiction. My driver says, hey, Ross, we've got a car fire. It's about, it sounds like it's three blocks away. Now I'm already in another zone. I'm not even in my first do. I'm in my second do. I'm like, all right. I just nonchalantly, I'm getting in the truck, just getting my stuff on. The firefighter that I had, who's my current firefighter, we have bids in Fort Lauderdale. He had just, it was about mid-year. He had just bid uh, Engine 8 as the firefighter, 19-year guy, father, uh, just an awesome, good around firefighter. So he's in the back. He's, tell, he's asking me with his accent, because he's Argentine. He's like, oh, where are we going to? I said, hey, this sounds like a car fire. It's nothing big deal. As we're coming down the street, I just look up and I see the column. I'm like, it's kind of a big column of black smoke for a car fire. You know, car fires don't burn like that. We turn the corner and now we're getting multiple updates that the house is on fire. As we pull into the cul-de-sac, it's a residential house. It sits on the water. It's a pretty good sized house. Um, And there's heavy fire from the garage. I mean, heavy fire. The garage is already self-vented. We didn't even have to cut it. It was heavy, heavy fire from the garage. And... We get out of the truck, and I literally, you know, have a quick minute to get on the radio. Engine 8 arrival, um, one-story residential structure, send me a full residential response. This is a working fire. We're stretching the line. That's it. That's all I said. Told the driver he's a relatively new driver. So stretch the line in the front door. And he's the great driver. I don't know if he heard me or not, but he stretched the line in the garage. Now, a lot of guys question me after, and I'll, I'll kind of get to why I did what I did. And sure. it all goes back to training, and it all goes back to those classes. But – my intent was I wanted to save the rest of the house. Yeah, I know the, I know where the bulk of the fire was. It was in the garage. There was no doubt about it. It was a car on fire in the garage. But the woman ran out of the house, and I stopped her in the front yard. Now, I told my firefighter, I said, listen, grab the line. He put it down by the garage. Grab the line and get it at the door. I'll be there in a minute. Um, quickly, just I, she ran out the door, and a chief was on scene, but he was off duty. And he's like, Ross, you did a 360. He goes, the doors were open in the back. I closed the, the, the doors. He goes, but you got heavy fire inside. No problem, chief. Like, he was there because he lived in the, in the neighborhood. Um, I asked her, I said, is there anybody inside? She goes, I got two of my pets inside. I said, well, where are they? She goes, and she was hysterical. She couldn't even tell me where they were. So, but luckily no, no other, you know, humans inside. So at least that's what she told us. So we get to the front door and just smoke banged down on the ground. And I'll never just forget. I told, I listed my fireman. I'm like, 
let's get this line in there and let's just make a, a, a hard right. I said, because that's where the garage is. And what sits behind the garage and the kitchen on every residential house, at least here in South Florida, is a door. And my goal was to get in there with my hook and while he was going to put water on the fire to go hook the door and close it. That was my initial intent, just to save the rest of the house. Because I trust me, I had every I had people from the, the most senior firemen to the most junior guys say, hey, how come you didn't just put the fire out in, in the garage? I said, because I'm going to make a knockdown and be aggressive interior and save that house. And, and here's where I learned that from. Bill Gustin, Miami-Dade captain, like 40 years on the job. Years ago, I took a class, years ago, on garage fires. And that's what I learned. And, that's, and I had a couple of fires like that as a driver and a firefighter where we saved the rest of the house. So that was my intent. So we get in there, and it's funny. We have a 15th, 16th smoothbore on our inch and three-quarter line. It was, it was vented from the front window. I think we made it maybe 10 feet in the house. And it's kind of funny because I've had a lot of fires in my careers like you guys have. This was one of the hottest fires I've had to date. I remember taking my pick and putting it over the head of my firemen and just having them look at him like, man, it's almost a thousand degrees above our heads. He Dang. couldn't, he couldn't flow, you know, that 15, 16 puts out 185 uh, gallons of water. Right. And I, I asked him, I said, his name's Caesar. I said, Caesar, do you feel any, any water drops down in your helmet? He goes, no, I said, neither do I. I said, so we got to sit right here and flow it for a while. Because I always used to teach my firemen, listen, if you're going to, if you feel water droplets on your helmet, then we can start moving the hose line. But if you're not, where's that water going? It's just getting evaporated. So, we're flowing and flowing, which probably to me seemed like forever, probably three or four minutes. And finally started cooling that area down in the house. We moved, we moved the line a little bit further. I went to close the door with the hook and it just had already burned through. So it basically, as soon as I pulled the door shut, it basically came off the hinges. We had heavy fire you know, right there in the kitchen area. But as soon as we got a good knockdown, I got on the radio and I kind of made it comical and I wasn't trying to be funny, but you know, I was having fun because we were and they're doing our job that we love. And, I, and he, my fireman was doing such a kick-ass job. And I got on the radio and said, hit it, hit it from the outside with the big boy line. And they know what, they know what I meant. Engine <laughs> 2 showed up. They pulled the two and a half. They hit, it, they hit it with the two and a half from the outside. We had it from the inside. We were able to save the majority of the house. My rescue crew pulled up literally maybe, I don't know, two or three minutes behind us. They got out two young, motivated guys, engine 8 to rescue 8, do a primary search. That's all I have to tell them because we train a lot. And they went in and they pulled, uh, I think they pulled out one dog and then the truck company ladder two came in. And as they were pulling ceiling, they found the other pet, you know, um, the pets made it out. No, no human casualties or anything like that. One of the hottest fires I had, but again, we came out and, you know, we're, we're doing our thing. We're taking up hose. We're all talking about it, but I had all kinds of guys call me, Hey man, how come you went this way? How can you did this way? I always tell them, I said, guys, as a company officer, you get a limited information. You've got to make a split second decision. But if, if right. I hadn't taken Chris, a lot of those classes and have been aggressive early in my career with the training, I may have done something differently, but that's just uh, like when I was young in my career, that's, that's just what was instilled in me. You got to take classes. And I still, I still try to take at least one or two classes a year because I love learning from other guys that do it in other parts of the country with different building construction. And, you know, that's the good thing about the fire service. You can just never stop learning. So that's it. No, I love that. Cause that's a, that's an interesting tactic. Usually it's like a moth to the flame and they just want to go right to the big bulk, like you're saying, and spend time in a lot of water application right there. And depending on arrival and conditions, you know, limited information, like we understand, you don't know what's really going on inside, you know. And so I like that approach of flanking it through the front and cutting off any progression, because what's involved, it's either 
it still has all the fuel to keep that fire there, right? So yeah. that fire is necessarily not going anywhere, but because it's kind of cornered, but the rest of the fire can easily travel throughout the home and do a lot more damage, like you're saying. And we know how rapidly those intensify every 30 seconds and you're just fixated on that one spot, but you're not doing anything for the other fuel that you can't see. That's rapidly catching on fire and spreading. I like that, man. Thanks. Man, this this is a good talk guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's always going to be a good time when you're going to talk engine stuff. I mean, listen, we get to do a little bit of truck work too, because in our department, there's a mix. I mean, we do have dedicated truck companies, but there are times, Chris, and I won't get into it, but there's times when we show up on fires and I've been ordered to take the hurricane glass and rebar. And that's a truck company, but it's it's whatever the chief needs on scene. And we're, you know, we're aggressive in Fort Lauderdale, but we just, you know, that's why we have a good command structure. There's no, you don't question the uh, chief officer on scene unless, unless it's something that's dangerous. But we're lucky. we got good people in our department. No, I agree with that. And Kevin, I'm sure your knowledge has expanded quite a bit too. It's just your involvement with Mercedes and the classes and everything else. Like, when did you start to see that transition of, I don't know what I thought I knew, and there's so much more to know or more to learn? Oh, it was probably my first nozzle forward class I took. Shoot, who knows how long it's been now? 10, 11, 12 years ago, he really turned on the light bulb for me. He was the first person that ever talked to me about water application on when to put water where and why, start high, then work low. Uh, so that really opened my eyes to like, man, there's a lot, I don't know where to put the water and why, and then, uh, on how they even a confident way to hold the nozzle. So fortunately I, I felt I high standards as a firefighter and I realized, okay, I have a lot to learn in this aspect. So I traveled down that route and obviously I'm still just running down that, running down that route with all of that. So. That was the biggest thing, man. That was the biggest catalyst for me down this engine up world was taking Fields' class. And uh, what, what's crazy is before we started this, I was just on the phone with a guy and telling him to reference Aaron's uh, website on some stuff and talked about his lecture mm-hmm. and everything else. So, uh, but yeah, that, that was the biggest thing. The whole concept, what Rossi said on spraying and praying. Uh, I was there and I mean, and I, I wasn't even there at that. There was a fire I was at where I wasn't even spraying and praying. I didn't even know I need to open up the line. I'm about to get hurt or killed. And, uh, yeah. just, just back to the, the academies don't even tell you when to open up or why, uh, I almost got myself into a pretty bad situation at one point, super close to a flashover. And, uh, fortunately I didn't happen. So, um, uh, uh, it's it's kind of sad, man. The, the American Fire Service of what it, what it is with with the lack of education on simple stuff. You know, I always joke about it. Fire Service is the reason we're doing it. It's very very simple stuff. We're not doing a bunch of algebra or equations or anything. It's hey, put put some water, put some water on what's actually burning. Don't bank it, you know. Or <laughs> it's hot. Open up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. Search search this search this building effectively. Don't just hug the wall and grab each other's ankles, spread out, split up. Oh shoot. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. It's just crazy how a better foundation isn't put into us. So uh, that's why I really bit off so much on the teaching and spreading the wealth is just, just trying to get the word out and help others. And I'm jealous of the people that I'm jealous of the kids that get it super quick. They get it early on. They come either on to our department or they take one of our classes early in their career I'm so happy for those guys and stuff like that's a, a reminder of that the, the fire service, we are winning. We are getting better and we are leaving it better than what we found it for sure. 
That's right. And despite uh, disbelief of anyone else, in January or in December, I saw this man do a lot more than just wet work, and he reminded of it every ten minutes. To him. <laughs> <laughs> the, boy, <laughs> the boy can get down on some truck work. Let me tell you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I almost put it in the in that group. Uh, I almost said I almost put said something like, "Hey, Ram and Ram and Daniel, remember when Snow? You know." Thought we were there just for engine work or something. I I almost put it in there earlier today. I would have laughed, man. I loved it. That I can't wait till we get that thing more perfected. I'm ready for May, man. Sounds like we got a good good group coming in, and I'm ready to see how that looks going on. And Ross, we need to get your butt out there one day and do some hood rat stuff in our neck of the woods. Yeah, I'll come out there, man. Whether it's big water stuff, I talk to Kevin. I like doing. I love doing high rise training. You know, I, I try to focus on a lot of uh, high risk, low frequency in our city. Because, yeah. um, you know, those are just the, the types of calls we're going to get. But, you know, any time. And I think, you know, Chris, I'll, I'll leave it this, like, going forward, since we were talking about this earlier, with the whole with the whole academy and teaching, you know, I was overwhelmed. I was doing way too much. And I'm not, I'll never knock taking a class or knock right. teaching. I did it for, let's see, 24, 15 or 16 years where I was teaching all these classes. But there comes a time where you want to just take a step back and say, all right, I'm done. Like I was telling a guy last night, he's like, hey, you teach at the academy? And we're like, no, you know what? I'm doing it on my days off playing my guitar, playing golf, working out, spending time going to lunch, spending time with my fans, family and friends. I'm not killing myself um, working two or three three jobs. I'll always have my business that I do, my interview prep and stuff. That's easy. But um, the days of me uh, trying to run multiple classes and stressing myself out and trying to have to live up to the expectations of people that just want things done because they don't want to do it themselves are over. So yeah. I made a decision uh, a couple weeks ago, and I think I was talking to Shane about it. If I go and teach a class, like a big water class, I'm going to come for no other reason to hang out with you guys. I'm not, I don't care about getting paid. I mean, hey, you covered my travel, and I'm good. I'll just come and hang out with you guys, put my gear on, and give me. I'll be a grunt for a couple of days. I don't care. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's when I'll do a class. I'm not doing a class anymore for monetary benefit or because I need to put my name in the spotlight or be on social media. Hell, I just got rid of my Facebook, so I don't, you know. I don't. I don't care about that anymore. I'll come and do class with, and hang out with you guys. That's it. With 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 that with that mindset, you'll have you'll provide the best class you've ever gave. That's with right. that mindset right there, man. You'll be the most influential you've ever been in spreading the good news with that with that mindset right there. That's what it's all about. Thanks. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, and and to back that up, just the other day, I called your brother just to check in and maybe get him down to my neck of the woods for a, a little lecture and a post uh, a workout afterwards with the fools chapter. And I was just talking logistics with them. So, man, you know, you know what you're what you're asking price on different stuff. I respect the business side. You know, we're going to take care of your travel and lodge. That's understood. And he's like, why would you do that? And I said, well, because, man, it's it's just showing thank you for coming down. You know, it's we're trying to be honorable of your time. He's like, man, I'm not a diva. I don't have any prices. And he said, I'm just thankful to hear that you'd even do a travel and lodge. I was just going to do it. I'm literally nobody from nowhere. And uh, right. when he said that, I was like, dude, that's what's up. Um, that means a lot. And so I love seeing that. I get people do their things for whatever purposes, but the guys that still just get down to understand, hey, I'm just giving back to the service. I don't need to make a profit off of none of this stuff. None of this stuff was my original idea. I just can't believe you want me to come speak to your area or something like that. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for that. So 
I just want to throw that in there. It reminded me of what you just said, Rossi. Like, I just want to want to go do fireman things with firemen and just – be- And, Chris, I would be very humbled if I got that opportunity because I'd be there in a heartbeat. Whether it's for you oh, or Bentley or anybody else. Somebody says, hey, Rossi, come in. I'm like, I'm there, man. Just to hang out with like-minded individuals. Sometimes you need to reset in your career. And then when I come back to Fort Lauderdale, I'm like, man, I just came back from this kick-ass weekend with these guys that are, that are just doing the same thing I'm doing. I mean, how – how awesome is that? What does that do to your career? Not, the, not, not everything has to be about money, you know? Right. I learned that a long time ago. No, amen, buddy. But, guys, we're wrapping up. Is there anything y'all wanted to, to touch on or, or mention? <clears throat> I want to be mindful of your time, too. And it sounds like my kids are starting to wake up from their nap time. So, I might have a I few got, more minutes. I got something. Yeah, go Let's ahead. hear it, bud. You go first. You go first. Well, I, I, I just think for, for you know, the, the main kind of – background of this this tech this i'm sorry this podcast and y'all doing the one the other day it's just on my heart to really just work through uh the roster of our guys and 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 explain what everybody means to me specifically i know we all have different relationships some of us are closer to others than other than you know other guys in the group but it's just on my heart to do that man go for it yeah man i, I just want to start with tom that that guy has uh he showed me exactly what it's like to, to be a friend. I, I, I realize now that me and that guy truly are turning into best friends. Uh, he's led a lot of that by example. He's shown me how to care about me and love about me. And he's been patient with me on stuff. And it just uh, blows my mind to have a guy that close here locally that I've been able to open up that much to. And for us to have so much and similar similarities with Christ, the fire service and other other things. There's other guys in my department. I'm super close to Chris Everett at Live Oak. Uh, we're, we're, we're brothers as well, but uh, Tom, man, being in this tribe and everything else, uh, having him local is so, so, so big for me to have. And he just pushes me in all aspects. If you, if you see that guy, I know y'all have gotten snippets of it, but just the, the way that guy handles himself as a, as a father and her husband, uh, he for sure makes me be a better husband all the time. Uh, I watch him and uh, his wife, Jenny, operate. And uh, that's one of the biggest things he does for me. Uh, Shane, man, Shane, this has been on my heart and my mind a lot lately. Shane's probably the biggest mentor I've ever had in the fire service. And what's funny is he hasn't affected probably a single skill of mine when it comes to firefighting. He's affected skills in my life where it's about building relationships with other and how to be caring and loving with individuals. Uh, Shane has pushed uh, Shane has pushed just a lot of motives in my life on uh, why I'm doing something and making sure everything's with good intentions. And I just see a lot of what I do in the fire service with from trainings we're doing with first line to trainings. We went down to Cabo here recently to things I do in my life. My fire service so much reflects of what Shane Bentley's uh, influenced on me. Uh, Jason Painter, man, that guy just just a, is the ultimate humble guy. You know, things he opens up to us about in our group. Uh, really just leads by example by being humble, but so much passion behind it. Uh, when he's the type of guy where when he speaks, you just shut up and listen. And uh, when he talks, just his words are written in stone when I hear him talk. Um, Rossi, man, I think you and me, we're on a very big similar path or backgrounds with Christ. Uh, both of us have gone with from a poor relationship to an amazing relationship, and we're both just getting started. You wouldn't believe the stuff you say all the time in the group where I'm just wanting to text the same thing, how much I'm relating to your path and what you're doing. So I'm so thankful for just to be able to do that with somebody that's like-minded and, 
And then the, the things that you do with your shift, knowing that you come from a bigger department and the way you lead your team as an officer, uh, from the call you had with that child to yeah. the call you mentioned the other day with that guy hitting the engine and stuff. And uh, just the way y'all truly, truly, y'all, if y'all realize it or not, y'all are doing what God expects of y'all, how y'all are approaching your community and everything else. And I'm just intrigued by where that comes from. And I know a lot of it comes from you. And that just goes back to you to being a good hearted, loving, caring individual. Thank you, man. Uh, Thank you. You, 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 Snow, you know, we're, we're similar somewhat in age, which we're similar somewhat in background. We're a bunch of idiots that grew up doing some of the dumbest stuff ever, probably. And uh, we're both just very fortunate to be here. Same thing, man. When you talk, when you talk, I just trust in, in everything you say and what you're doing uh, with 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 how strong Christ is on your heart and your mind. I know that's everything that drives your attentions. And uh, I just feel so lucky to have you in my corner and, and you, you all, I'll for, uh, I owe you forever for bringing me into this group and asking me to be a part of this. Uh, and, then, and then Nate Sturm, man, there's, there's a reason he's last, bro. Uh, Nate Sturm, I've been telling people this recently, he's an angel in my life. Uh, that what, what that guy's been through and the examples he has set for us on how to act as a human being, as a husband, as a father, as a firefighter, uh, just how humble he is. The podcast he just did this morning with Free Burn. Uh, Powerful. Uh, he he's giving Shane he's giving Shane a run for his money for sure as being the most influential mentor in my life. And that guy is a mentor of mine for sure. I, I told my wife today I legitimately wish Nate was my next door neighbor. Uh, I just think the world of that guy, and uh, he's legitimately somebody something could drop right now when all of y'all are, but. Nate, man, something could drop right now and I'll drop everything I'm doing and hop on a plane and go help that guy. Uh, we're just so fortunate to have him in our lives. So uh, I just felt I was due to, to give everybody their their respect on that and what they mean to me and why I love them so much. Man, love you, brother. Um, I will always carry the bricks with you, and I mean that. That's right. <clears throat> Rossi, did you say you had something, bud? Yeah, but it's quick. This is to, yep. <laughs> to the, it is to the guys and gals listening out there. My first bit of advice is find your tribe, and yes. I'm not, I, I, and I really mean it. Doesn't matter whether you're male or female. Find your group of people, and, and here's how you find them. They're not just going to pop out of the woodworks. You got to pray about it because these six individuals that, and and myself that Kevin just mentioned, they didn't just come by chance. They God put us there, put us in this circle for a reason. I don't, it's, it's baffling at sometimes how we all kind of came together, but find your own tribe. That's the first bit of advice. The last thing I'm going to leave you with is everybody fills their cup a different way. I fill my cup every morning and it hasn't really changed in the last year, sometimes a little later in the day. But the first thing I do every morning as I get up and I thank God for putting air in my lungs and waking me up for another day. The second thing I usually typically do is walk into my office when I'm half asleep or half, sorry, half awake and and I try to read maybe five or 10 minutes of scriptures. I do a devotional. I say a prayer for all the guys and gals I'm going to work with, my entire family, all of my tribes, person, anybody that I know that's injured or sick. The list gets longer and longer, but that's what's important to me. That's how I fill my cup every morning. And then throughout the day, talking to these guys or doing what I got to do. And every night before I go to bed, I lay in bed and my wife and I, you know, if we try to pray together and we say, thank you for giving us a beautiful day. And onward to the next day. And I can tell you that from doing that only a short time of maybe less than a year, my life has become better and better and it's getting better and better just because my priority has focused on the most important thing that needs to be focused on. And that's 
God first, everything else second. And that's what I'm going to leave you with. So thanks, Chris, for having me on here. And Kevin, love you guys, man. And, and just uh, very humbled with this opportunity. Man, this is Love beautiful. you too, brother. I love you guys. Definitely love our tribe. And I just hope this message gets to who it needs to get to. And if anyone's on the fence or anything to that extent or doesn't truly know Christ but knows of Christ, there is an eternal difference that's a long-lasting impact because it's obviously for eternity. Just reach out to one of us, guys. We're not that hard to get a hold of. We'll be more yep. than happy to talk to you about salvation. You've heard testimonies from us and, and the rest of us from different platforms that God's been able to bless us to get on to share our stories. And we're, we're nobodies. Do we have platforms? Sure. Do we travel around and spread the good word? Sure. But that doesn't make us special. We're God's children. And we're just trying to shine the light wherever we go. And I just pray that you guys get encouraged to do the same. Um, and Chris, guys, if anybody's out there that ever wants to get a hold of us, you know, you give them yeah. my, you can give them my number, my email. I, I would love to talk to a fellow brother or sister about anything we talked about. I'm, I'm an open no, Absolutely, yeah. brother. I, I had a guy today that reached out to me because he heard me say at some point somewhere, if you ever need anything, reach out to me. He reached out to me. So awesome. we, we will back that up. Awesome. Amen. That's what it's about. Well, guys, I appreciate it so much, man. Uh, this has been a fun fun episode i love it i love getting to talk to my brothers and hearing the stories and i just hope it gets spread so i hope you boys enjoy the rest of your evening and uh you. rossi eat some yes, good sir. food after that fast my man all right brother you got it <laughs> thanks guys. Right. See, you. see you guys uh later